everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, this next series in the Jesus in the Ordinary podcast is going to be kind of schooling. Um, today's episode, we're going to sit down and talk with Caitlin about homeschooling, why she does it, how she does it, and all the things. So let's get started. I'm Carissa. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Jesus in the Ordinary podcast. Where we discuss life from diapers to disciples and everything in between. We are wives, sisters, mothers, and friends, and we know how hard all of these hats can be. So come join us as we meet Jesus in the ordinary, everyday moment. So, Caitlin, why and when did you start homeschooling? (laughs) Good question. Um, First of all, I'll just give a little introduction to myself. My name is Caitlin. Um, We have four kiddos, so our oldest is in third grade, our second um, oldest is in first grade, and then I have a preschooler and a three-year-old. And so we got started with homeschooling uh, when my oldest daughter was little, kind of accidentally. It wasn't something that we necessarily intended to do or planned on doing. Um, My husband and I both have uh, public school backgrounds. We graduated from public high school with a few years of homeschool mixed in there. Um, So both options were kind of something we were familiar with, but I have a degree in elementary education. And so I think we kind of just sort of assumed and planned that, you know, someday when our kids went to school, hopefully I would be teaching at the school and then they would attend public school um, Mm -hmm. with us. And so my daughter was about three or four, you know, kind of that time where you're thinking about preschool and all that stuff. And so um, I kind of just was thinking about, you know, her personality. I wasn't quite ready to like have her leaving and going to school for a few days a week yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just kind of decided to try it out. Um, I sort of approached my husband with the idea and he was into that. He thought it was a great idea. And so we had originally planned to just kind of do preschool and kindergarten um, homeschooling. And so, you know, we started doing it and we just really liked it. She thrived. Um, I loved doing it with her. And then, uh, you know, by that time, then by about kindergarten, her younger sister uh, was kind of involved in doing preschool stuff with us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we kind of, yeah, just decided to keep going with it. So in our state, um, at around the age of six, so when your child is six, uh, at the beginning of the fall school year, uh, that's when you have to kind of decide where they're attending school and send in your paperwork for that, whether Mm -hmm. it's public, private, or homeschool, you have to let, you know, your district and the state know. Um, And so we kind of maybe didn't really have a solid plan. I sort of thought like, you know, once she was at that age, we'd put her into public school. But like I said, we just really enjoyed it. And it was just a really good fit for our family. And so we kept doing it. Um, As the years have gone by, we've obviously solidified more of our reasons for homeschooling and why we want to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of where we're at. We sort of just started thinking like, we'll just try it, you know, each year as it comes, see how it works for each child. Um, and go from there. But as of now, we have plans to homeschool through high school. So that's kind of where we're at. Okay. And you, you mentioned the state requirements um, for particularly Wisconsin, but um, how would one go about finding like what their state requires on all of that? 
So the state requirements for each state vary. Some states are very, very heavy, heavily regulated, and some are um, pretty low regulations. So there's a website that is really helpful um, in finding out that information, and it's hslda.org. So it's hslda.org. Um, and their page is super easy to navigate. You just go to like their drop down menu um, and then you can find state requirements and then click on your state and it'll kind of lay it out for you. You know, when do I have to fill in the paperwork and send that in? How do I keep track of this? How do I report to the state? It kind of lists everything you'll need for that, all of the requirements. Um, so, for example, our state is pretty, I would say, moderately regulated. And so we have um, certain requirements, like our curriculum has to build on itself each year, um, mm -hmm. meaning that, you know, it has to progressively get harder. Um, and then our big thing in our state is we have to keep track of our hours that we homeschool. Okay. And so you have certain hours during the year that you have to meet um, of, you know, homeschooling time. That's not per subject. It's just a total number of hours. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have to like do any state testing or submit any portfolios or anything like that. Some states do require more of that, but yeah, that website is just really good for finding your, your state requirements. Okay. Um, and then next question we have for you, it's what was your, what does your like daily yearly type routine look like? Um, and then like in connection with those requirements. So like hourly, I think you said, and then just kind of how you, accomplish that as far as, you know, nine months of the year or full year type of thing? Sure. So we do um, a year round schedule. Uh, it just kind of works better for us. We kind of just like to, you know, be flexible on when we take time off and when we go on vacations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a year round schedule. And yeah, so the hours that we're required to get are just in a year total. Um, so we don't have to get them within like a regular public school time frame. It doesn't go from like, you know, September to May or whenever the public schools are in. Mm -hmm. um, and so that gives us a lot of flexibility, like I said, to, you know, maybe take a week or two off during Christmas. And then, you know, maybe we want to take a couple more weeks off at some other point during the year. Um, so it actually works really well for us because we can kind of spread out the time that it takes for us to accomplish things, take things slower or, you know, pack in multiple subjects at a time, mm -hmm. um, just based on kind of our kids' interests or whatever. Um, and so we, I like that because then we also don't have the, um, you know, the gap in, in summer where you're sort of like you finish and you're waiting to get into the next year. Um, yeah. We just kind of can cruise right into like the next year whenever we want, which is super nice too. Um, and so as far as like meeting the requirements go, yeah, you just have to get those hours in in your whatever your set year is for um for your school okay. and then um kind of our daily schedule I would say varies with different seasons of life yep. um you know we've had times where we can only get school done during the afternoon when babies would have naps mm -hmm. um and that would allow more time for me to work one-on-one -on -one with the kids um you know now we're kind of in a place where our youngest is three and so she's, you know, at that good age where she can participate and be included and stuff. And so now we have more of just, I would say, a regular um, school day where we wake up in the morning, we have breakfast, we kind of get our chores done, get ready, and then meet at the table. 
and then we kind of start our lessons um, in the morning. So we have, like I said, my older three are doing school. So third grade, first grade and preschool. And I would say it takes us about two hours, give or take, maybe like a half hour to an hour, depending on the subjects, um, to get everything done. And so it actually works out really nice. Again, you kind of have more flexibility if you have babies or toddlers to work around. You kind of have quite a bit of time to kind of get your lessons done. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually we start with like our group lessons. So like Bible time, um, science, social studies history, stuff like that, whatever our group studies are. And then from there, we kind of branch off into like individual studies. Um, So my oldest, she can pretty much, um, you know, do her own, do her work independently. If she Mm -hmm. has questions, she'll ask me, but I don't have to do a lot of like one-on-one teaching time with her at this stage, um, which is pretty nice. But yeah, so we kind of just go from like group lessons to individual lessons and then kind of just fit things in as we can there um yeah so I think that's pretty much it and um how do you do it with as far as multiple ages go because I know you have one that's not quite in school yes correct um yeah so my youngest is three so she's not doing any school right now um and then my five-year-old is doing preschool and then we have a first and third um So the way that it works for me, best for me to do, you know, the multiple ages is that I have my kids share subjects where, where that's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So what that looks like for us is that we'll do like Bible time all together. um, And then currently doing science um, and they would do like social studies, history, geography, some combination of that together. Mm-hmm. And so then the only kind of individual things they're doing would be language and math. And then, um, you know, for like the early ones who are just learning to read, you would have that individual time on reading or like my oldest daughter is doing cursive this year. So that's an individual thing. Um, but as far as homeschooling multiple ages, it just kind of works best to have them share subjects where they can. And so one of the cool things about the curriculum that we use, and I know like homeschool curriculums can vary. So some are very set in like their ages or their um, grade levels. Mm -hmm. But the one that we use is, is called like broadly graded. And so you'll have like this subject would be good for like first through third or fourth through sixth or whatever, you know, whatever the ages are. Mm -hmm. And so just picking one that fits, you know, the level of your child, and then you can kind of match it and sort of have like the group do that. So um, our, my preschooler, he kind of participates in those subjects, but obviously at this stage in the game, he's not like absorbing as much as like the older kids are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually when he's in that grade, you know, first grade ish, he'll go through this same thing again, the same subjects again, while I do something different with our older two. Um, oh. so it'll kind of, my plan is to kind of do it in rotation. So the older two will be together. The younger two will be together. Um, if that doesn't work out, we'll just kind of adjust that in the future. But um, yeah, so then in, as far as including like the toddler, you know, like I said, there are stages that are easier for that. And there are some stages that are really hard um, when they're babies and they can just kind of lay there and don't really do much. Obviously, you can kind of focus on your, you know, your kids more, your subjects better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like that one and a half to two or two and a half range is <laughs> tough. Um, and so that's a lot of just like patience on everyone's behalf. So like, yeah. you know, patience for me and like, okay, another interruption from, you know, the little one and patience for the kids when mom can't answer right away. And, um, and just like flexibility, you know, okay, maybe we have to just put this subject away until a better time in the afternoon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, setting expectations right away and just training them as they get older to like, you know, this is teaching time. And so now is when we sit and we can listen or you're free to do something independently. Um, but just kind of teaching them like the times when it's okay to you know, be hanging out and having mom's attention or when we need to, you know, focus on, on school and stuff like that. So for right now, um, my younger two, so preschool and three, they each have a drawer in like our homeschool cabinet. And we fill that with like sticker books or learning books that my preschooler can do on his own. Um, you know, maybe they would have like manipulatives that we're not currently using. They would have those in there. And so now they're kind of both at a place where they know, you know, while we're sitting down to teach while mom's working with the kids, I can pull something out of the drawer and sit at the table or I can go play by myself, you know, upstairs or in my room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I would say the biggest key is just flexibility, patience, and then just training them, you know, from a young age that there are times where, you know, we can play and we can have fun and there are times where it's time to just sit and listen, you know, and and kind of have that, just sort of set those expectations. Yep. That's good. Um, and do you ch- change then your teaching style based on the individuals or do you, how do you uh, handle, I guess, when kids learn different ways or learning styles and that kind of thing? That's a good question. Um, yeah. I mean, every child obviously has different, you know, ways that they prefer to learn they have different strengths and, and different weaknesses even. And so, um, you know, when we do like group subjects, I just sort of generally teach it. I don't like cater to any one student's learning style or anything like that. It's sort of just, you know, presenting the information um, to all of them at the same time in the same way. Mm-hmm. But then there's sort of that time where, you know, they're they're absorbing, but then they have a time where they're playing. And so... Yeah. During that time, then, I think you can individualize and modify your lessons and your plans to, like, fit their learning styles. Um, and those can be pretty simple things. Like, if, you know, one child is more advanced or even prefers to do, like, worksheets or math facts or something, you know, they would do that during that time. And then maybe you would just have your other child, um, you know, like, manipulatives are great. So maybe one child needs to you know, move things to see how it works when they're adding and they need to pull them from one side to the other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're younger, especially you, you definitely like very, very the things that they do, you know, it's a lot of sensory, um, kind of just switching things up to find out what their strengths are and what ways they learn best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, yeah, you, you somewhat teach your change or change your teaching style, but not totally. You kind of teach the same, but then the way that they learn to apply it, that's where you can kind of like individualize. Okay. And do you have any like 
sort of expectations as far as they have to sit at the table and learn or are you flexible or how does all that work? No, no real expectations, I guess. Um, We generally tend to work at the table. It just seems to be like what works best for everyone, especially for like our large group time where, you know, we're all working together on something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm pretty flexible with whatever they need to do. I have some kids that like to just sit on the couch. Sometimes they'll call them couch days and (laughs) maybe they want to study on the couch or like sometimes if they have independent work, they'll go upstairs and just do it in their room if they want. Um, I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Some of my kids just need to move. And so they're really good and they, you know, they've all learned and, and it's kind of an expectation that when we're teaching a lesson, you know, we're sitting together and we're listening. But then, uh, like I said, from there, then they can kind of move about and do their own thing. One of mine has to like get up and, you know, go search for a pencil, get a drink of water, <laughs> like move her body and stuff like that. And so, yeah, no expectations as far as like where they work or anything like that. Okay. So flexibility is key. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, and this, this one, this is such a, I don't know why taboo topic with homeschool, but how do you approach socialization and where people think that it's lacking for homeschool? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure where, where that all came from with the socialization thing. Cause I think back to like my you know, public school days and how many times are you getting yelled at for talking to your friend in class? You know, most of the time your socialization is on the playground or, or, you know, in the lunchroom or something. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I could see, you know, if maybe the term homeschool leads people to believe that you're just sitting at home all day, you know, working all the time. And I could see, I guess, maybe some concern in that. Yeah. Um, but I think just, you know, obviously the thing that they're lacking is they don't have 26 kids their own age to like interact with all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, the things that they can gain by learning to socialize with other people is beneficial too. Um, and so I think with the socialization thing, you just have to create those opportunities for your child. Um, you know, we're very involved in our church. And so we attend a lot of church activities. They have friends there. Um, they're involved in like the Awana club. And so they go, you know, there's kids their own age there and kids of all different ages. Um, they've done dance, you know, they're very social kids. Um, and finding those opportunities for them hasn't really been difficult for, for them or for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think too, the thing with like the socialization is there are a lot of opportunities that homeschool kids get to socialize with a variety of age groups, which I think is just such a benefit and a blessing. Um, And so we get to, you know, they get to come with me to the grocery store and they get to interact with the cashier and they get to talk to people who are shopping too, you know, which is most of the time older people. Um, And so I just think there's value in them learning to communicate with like the littlest kids up to like the older ones Mm -hmm. and just, you know, learning stuff like that. Another thing too, is like getting involved in, into like a homeschool group, you know, or a co-op or, um, there's things like that out there where your child can, you know, have that socialization with other homeschool families as well. So there are a lot of opportunities. The, the biggest thing I would say is that it requires effort. I mean, you have to make the effort to get your kids involved and to leave the house and, (laughs) and, you know, plan the field trips and do the events and stuff like that. But But yes, homeschool kids can be very, very well socialized. 
Okay. And how do you, or I guess, how does one go about finding, I guess, in particular, the um, homeschool groups or other fellow moms who are homeschooling to kind of get involved that way? That, that was actually a pretty tough thing for us to like, kind of come across. We do live in like a smaller town in sort of a rural area. Um, And so groups like that weren't readily available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of like the the sort of the movement into homeschooling through 2020 and then into 2021 sort of actually created that opportunity mm-hmm. um and so we found a local homeschool group like through one of the churches near us and um so i think i, I think if you're like in a bigger city or a place that has more of those opportunities it would probably be pretty easy to find a group to get involved with um say a good place to start is at a local church mm-hmm. um, they have lots of kinds of groups you know ours is not like a co-op it's just a group where we get together and do field trips or um like learning opportunities we've done like learning fairs where each kid gets to um present on a subject that they're learning about at school um and they get to share that with the group and stuff like that um so i think starting at a local church is a good idea because even if you don't want one affiliated with a church or even if you even if they don't have one, they're usually knowledgeable about what's in the area and can probably, you know, kind of direct you or help you find some resources for that. Um, So yeah, I think those groups can definitely be beneficial. Okay. And then real quick, what is the difference between the group versus co-op for the homeschool world? Good question. So a co-op is usually um, more of like an environment where your child would be learning in like a large group setting. Mm -hmm. So somewhat similar to you know public school it may have varying age ranges in there or it might be where each class is sort of like you know individualized by grade um and typically those are run by the moms and so moms take turns teaching on a subject that they know about or maybe have just been volunteered into teaching okay Um, and then you know like ours is just like I said kind of a group where um it's just homeschool families we meet periodically we do field trips together um, so I think there's probably a pretty wide variety and a wide range of, of homeschool groups that you could find. Yeah. Um, some of them are based on curriculum, even some groups are based solely on like, we all use the same curriculum. And so it's just a time to like expand on that. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the last thing we have is one word of advice for those who, who feel called or are thinking they want to do homeschooling. Mm, I don't know if I have one word, so I'm going to go with a few (laughs) words. Um, I think first I would say just try it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think there would be any harm in you pulling your child out for a semester or even a year and just trying it and seeing if that works for you and your child. Um, So I would say, first of all, don't be afraid to try it out and just see. You don't have to commit to doing it forever if it doesn't work out for your family. Um. And then in that also, I know I've had like so many moms ask me about it, you know, saying like, oh, I could never do it. I can't do what you do. And maybe somewhat thinking that like having the education degree gives me like a leg up or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, you know, as moms, as parents, we know our children best. I mean, we know our children inside and out. So you know what their strengths are. You know what their weaknesses are. You know what things they would benefit from and what things wouldn't be good for them. Yep. Um, and so I think 
the my other piece of advice would just be like trust your god-given intuition and your ability to parent your child mm-hmm. and and just let that be enough i mean just start by you know pulling your child out even just simple things like reading aloud with them and working on basic math and you know depending on where your child is in in their grade level there are things you could do just to start and to try um, but I would say do it confidently because you know your child best. Yep. And then following all that up, if you're still, you know, committed and want to kind of make it more of a long-term thing, I think the next step would be to kind of just sit down with your spouse, with your children, and just maybe come up with like a, you know, maybe like a mission statement, like, why are we doing this? What is our purpose in homeschooling? Because um, I think that helps you then sort of make all the other decisions that come with it. Like, what curriculum do we want to use? What kind of a school are we making this? You know, what is my teaching philosophy? What are my kids' learning styles? Um, so I think having a clear idea of like, okay, I feel called to this. I'm going to step into it. And now we need to figure out like, what is our reason for this? What is our purpose or what is our hope, you know, in, in homeschooling our children? Mm-hmm. So if you want, you know, if you want it to be biblically based, then that would be your priority. If you want it to be you know, very fun. And maybe you don't want to use like a boxed curriculum. You just sort of want to go by your child's interests. That's, you know, a whole nother option. Um, okay. So yeah, I would say try it, have confidence and faith in yourself and then make a game plan. Okay. Awesome. A lot of really good <laughs> content to think about and <laughs> process of, I know this question probably will pop into other people's heads as they're listening and um curriculum we will touch on that in a different podcast (laughs) episode because I know you could say a lot about that and how to go about all of that yes yeah that could definitely be a whole episode (laughs) um but I want to thank you for like just sharing your heart on all of this and kind of like a foot in the door for those that want to get started um so I think with that I will pray us out. Um, Lord, I want to thank you first and foremost for parents and their intuition that you have given them on what's best for their children. And Lord, I want to pray for those who are homeschooling or are feeling called to homeschool that you will be the guide for them and just kind of put people in their lives and put things in their lives that will kind of align with the values that they're looking for and the support that they need to do that. And I also want to thank you for Caitlin sharing her heart on all of this and just being a guide for those people who are interested. And um, I just pray, Lord, that you will bless us all and bless all those listening. And thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.